Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox understands small business insurance isn't like other insurance. To learn more about how Hiscox Insurance can protect your business, go to Hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. Well, I believe that all teams struggle, and there are three reasons all teams struggle. One, there's untapped talent on the team. And by definition, if you have an untapped talent on the team, you cannot reach your full potential. Two, the team lacks a common view of success. And by that, I mean a view of success built by the team, a North Star they're all headed toward. And finally, the team often lacks deep connections between the teammates themselves, success, and their strengths. Welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. I'm Lou Casal. On this show, I talk with entrepreneurs who chased after a dream without any idea of how it would turn out. Let's face it, nothing great is achieved without risk. Do you have what it takes? Hi, everyone. As you all know from firsthand experience, life is filled with twists and turns and ups and downs. And the same holds true for your career or business. There is no straight path to success. And for the record, I'm not aware of any shortcuts either. Today, you'll meet Maureen Monty. Maureen is a leadership and team consultant and author of the book, Destination Unstoppable. Maureen helps teams identify their untapped strengths so they can reach their full potential. She has worked with some of the world's largest companies and more than 700 athletes. I spoke with Maureen about how she started her side hustle and why she left her job to turn that side hustle into a full-time business. During our conversation, Maureen also shares her thoughts on how a team can unite to achieve a shared goal. Maureen, welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. There's a lot I'd like to talk with you about today. You know, in your book, you talk about how the world runs on teams, and there are a lot of people listening who are looking to help their teams reach their full potential. But before we go there, I think a good place to start is at the beginning of your career. You didn't start out wanting to be an entrepreneur. You started out as an engineer. Yeah, I sure did. And I started out as an engineer for two reasons. One, I was good at math. And two, you can make a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. And I realized that as an engineer, you could graduate and make a whole heck of a lot of money back then. It's not so much money in today's dollars. But I would encourage if there are women out there that are considering technology, here's why engineering is such a great career, even if you aren't a natural engineer, and I am not. Like the last time I fiddled with an engine was never. You you become a problem solver. And life is about solving problems. And I learned that my engineering background helped me be a people problem solver helping people and individuals and teams reach their full potential, overcoming challenges from the human side. So there was definitely a benefit from the problem-solving side of it, but I'm not a natural engineer. There are people that are way more gifted in engineering than I am. You had a very successful career as an engineer, as an IT strategy consultant. What made you step out of that role and become a leadership consultant? What made you decide it was time to chase a new career? That's a great question. I'm a perennial career changer. And I think if there's one thing we could help young and even older people understand is that there is no one track. There's 18 tracks that your life will take. But I'd always been interested in leadership. And I can even take it back to my interest in black and white movies, like watching John Wayne, (laughs) which I know (laughs) seems very strange. But John Wayne was a very good leader, in my opinion. And I realized that success of teams really was 
on the back of great leadership and how do you make that happen? And I was specifically interested in integrity-based leadership. I went and earned a master's in leadership and business ethics focused on integrity and leadership so that I would better understand it. And as part of that journey, I was exposed to an assessment tool called the Clifton Strength Finder, which was my first foray into understanding the internal motor of leaders and high performers and how we could use that to help individuals and teams reach their full potential. And that was my first step into what I'm doing now, basically. I take it you're probably working full time and then you start signing on a few clients. What was it like trying to manage the workload of a full-time job and a side hustle? It's not easy, but what I like about the full-time job and side hustle is, and I recommend this as a strategy for most people that wish to become an entrepreneur, is you've got income coming in, your health care is generally taken care of, and you can hone your value proposition. I have seen people launch into entrepreneurship or starting their own company or thinking they can go be a ice cream shop even, and they have never done it before, or they've never worked on their own before. So what this does is allow you by working part-time on your nights and evenings on what you love or wish to do, while at the same time you've got income coming in. In 2006 is when I earned that master's in leadership and business ethics, and I instantly began coaching individuals and teams with the StrengthFinder process. And I continued that while still working full-time at the Fortune 500 tech firm internally, right? So I had this humongous global company that I was able to use as a Petri dish, never as my day job. And I never made a dollar from it, except one guy in Belgium, I think, gave me $50, I gave me $50 gift certificate, plus his heart, because I helped the sales team achieve. But what I did was really, really hone my value proposition. And I learned that this process that I was creating around understanding what's great about people was valuable in Singapore and Mexico and Argentina and in Europe, not just in a America or not just in sales or not just with executive. It was a really great learning experience for me that I had that opportunity to do it both inside that company and outside that company as getting me ready for the time that I would walk away. What was that aha moment for you when you decided, you know what, it's time for me? <laughs> I think it was when I got the phone call that, that I'd stepped on the toes of the VP of employee engagement. And the bottom line was this. I was tired of doing one-off teams within this company, right? And never, never making a dime. And after doing 80 or close to 100 of those, I said, all right, we're going to do this global. If anybody that wants to come in this company, and there were hundreds of thousands of people uh, in this company, anybody that wants to come and learn about their strengths and how to be more successful in their role and how to shape their role to take advantage of what they do best, anyone can come. I partnered with a buddy in India that I've never met, and he's still one of my best friends ever. And we held a global webinar, and over 6,000 people signed up. It was extremely successful, and it went very well, except we stepped on the toes of that other person, of those people, of those executives, right? And so when I felt the hammer coming down on me, the corporate hammer, I decided that's, you know, and I am a disruptor by nature. That's part of my entrepreneurial side. I decided that if they're going to fire me or talk about firing me because I have helped people reach their full potential, it is time for me to get out of here. I was holding out hope that they would eventually see the benefits of this and let me do that inside this company because it was desperately needed. It really was. We were kind of an execution shop. Get it done, get it done, get it done. You're not executing fast enough, except nobody's feeding the people that are working hard, right? And this is a very nourishing process that I take teams through. So the aha moment was, all right, I'm out of here, right? When I was being punished for doing something actually quite positive for the employees inside the company and managers. And, you know, I was working with VPs. It, it wasn't like I was 
at the bottom of the rung all the time. So anyhow, that was the moment. I'm like, I'm done sharing my intellectual capital with these people and I am I'm going to leave. And then I created my plan to leave. From there, let's jump over to probably one of the most important projects you've worked on in your career actually led to a book. The name of your book is Destination Unstoppable. And the book centers around your experiences working with a high school hockey team in Michigan. Now, these guys had the talent, but they were struggling when you met them. Could you tell us a little bit about how that opportunity came about? Yeah. One of the parents of the players on the team was aware of my work in the corporate world and made the coach aware of my work in the corporate world. He was very much struggling to get this team on the same page. Great teams have great team chemistry, and this team did not have great team chemistry. No matter what he did, he couldn't get him off the mark to play like a unit, right? He reached out to me, and I spoke to him on the phone, and I explained that I operate from a position of abundance and that there are three things that most teams struggle with. Untapped talent on the team, meaning there's things that these within these boys that we haven't fully harnessed a lack of a common view of success, and deep connections with one another. That's the journey of Destination Unstoppable is that journey. And it's the same process I've taken corporate teams through. So this is a team success story, not just a sports team success story. And I did listen to hear if Coach Weidenbach was the problem, right? Because sometimes the, the leader is the problem. And at one point he said to me, listen, I'm the maestro. If the orchestra doesn't play the music, it's the maestro's fault. In other words, he was owning the fact that he couldn't get these kids to get on the same page. So two days later, I was speaking to the boys, and I asked them what success looked like, and they said, win the state championship. And by the way, I am taking coach at his word that they were talented. I had not seen them. I had no idea. And so after I asked about what does success look like, and one kid said, win the state championship, I said, great. And I wrote that on the board. That's what success looks like, right? Except that describes what? but not the how we behave to get there. So I always focus on the how we behave to get there. And so I said, what does championship behavior look like? And I let them describe full effort, brotherhood, focus, the things they weren't doing in practice or with one another. And then we made a couple other commitments, Team Trust Bank, I refused to let you fail. Then we did the strength finder, right? But I will say this, when the team walked out of that room after we talked about what success looks like and they built that North Star, that was a different team that walked in. And then we did their assessment and I helped them understand how completely unique they are. And I've since worked with 700 athletes. The male athlete profile is very different from any profile I'd ever worked with, including high salespeople, really strong salespeople. To help them understand that, I said, stand up if you have the strength of empathy and nobody did. Stand up if you have the strength of positivity and nobody did. So these people weren't very caring. Now, that's not unusual. It's a male athlete, right? And then I said, stand up if you have this competition. And that is a strength. We can achieve success by people who are competitive because they know what winning looks like. And 18 out of 25 boys stood up. And at that point, we knew, they knew as well as I knew, that their competition was aimed internally rather than externally, right? So the bad guy, the bad guy is the team down the street, not the person sitting next to you. So I spent a total of 45 minutes with them, defining success, team trust bank, refusing to let one other fail, strength finder, success in your role, have a specific role that uses your strengths. And off I went to Vegas for work and they played hockey and they lost their first game two to one to the best team in Wisconsin. And then they went on a roll and they won the next 10 out of the 11 games they played after we met. They won 10 of 11 of those games and they outscored the competition 67 goals to 16 goals. So they were unstoppable. I'm just curious, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, how did having a book explain what you do sort of as a case study? How did that impact your overall business going forward? It's a great question. And I'm so glad I did it. 
right? I, I was actually working on another book before I started this one. I'm a better writer than I am an engineer. And that was clear actually in college when one of my professors asked me if I would please consider being a writer. And I'm like, nope, tired of being poor. I think the great thing about this book is, first of all, it's told in narrative form from the moment I'm unhappy at my job with a performance review that annoyed me to death to the conversation with Coach Weidenbach to my first meeting with the team. And I, it unfolds exactly as it happened, right? So it's a fast and fun read. The other thing I worked really hard to do was make those connections between this team's problems and a corporate team's problems because they're the same. People problems are people problems, and all teams struggle with people problems, and there's gravity you got to overcome. My journey with them is the same journey I make with everybody else. So one of the things I think it does is help people both appreciate what I do and understand the value I can bring if I work with their team, right? I have many large corporations that I've worked with. I've since worked with dozens of sports teams. I had my first conversation with an Olympic team last night. I'm at my best if I'm working with a hungry team. Sometimes those are sports teams. Sometimes those are entrepreneurial teams. Occasionally, it's at the large corporate level. But generally speaking, the hungry teams are the smaller teams and the sports teams. We'll be right back after a quick break. Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox, the business insurance experts who tailor intelligent insurance solutions to fit each business's very specific needs. Get a quote or purchase a policy at hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. Welcome back. Given Marine's experience working with both large corporations and startups, I took some time during our conversation to ask her a few questions about why teams struggle when trying to reach their full potential. Well, I believe that all teams struggle, and there are three reasons all teams struggle. One, there's untapped talent on the team. And by definition, if you have an untapped talent on the team, you cannot reach your full potential. Two, the team lacks a common view of success. And by that, I mean a view of success built by the team, a North Star they're all headed toward. And finally, the team often lacks deep connections between the teammates themselves, success, and their strengths. So I help teams focus on those three things so that they're able to overcome those big obstacles, unify, and achieve big goals. Earlier when we were talking about your book, you mentioned something called a trust bank. What's a trust bank and how important is it to a team's success? I think low trust will always prevent you from unifying and therefore prevent you from reaching your full potential. And so what I had them commit to, and this is the reality, and this is if people will listen to this and think about this, this is a reality. This is not a hockey team reality. This is a individual and team success reality. Every time you have an interaction, let's say you go to the bank and you make a deposit, there is a decision from your side and their side on how that human connection went. It's either a thumbs up, you were both pleasant, it was nice that they called you by name, you thank them, or it's a negative on your side if they're kind of rude and kind of disengaged, or so it's a thumbs down on their side, right, or your side because they haven't been very pleasant to you, or you're kind of a jerk and they think, what a jerk, and they give it a thumbs down. Anytime you have a trust bank, any bank account in your life is better if we have more in it than less. And every interaction between every person on a team or between a salesperson and a client, or a help desk and an internal client, both sides are rating that a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Every single interaction, even if it's insignificant, it's never neutral, ever. So I said to those boys, are you willing for the next six weeks, because the playoffs were six weeks away, to make only deposits in a team trust bank? You don't tell someone they suck if they screw up out on the ice. You don't throw your stick. You don't 
yell at people. We talked about what those behaviors are, a positive trust bank versus a withdrawal out of the trust bank. And they agreed to do it. And that was part of it, was committing to a team trust bank and deciding that because they wanted that success statement so bad to win the state championship with full effort, brotherhood, focus, discipline, they were willing to do the team trust bank. You hear a lot about team chemistry. What's the best way to improve the chemistry of a team? I think the very best thing you can do for team chemistry is to start with the strengths. What are they great at? But also build that common view of success and let the team build it. Both at the individual level, I ask, what does success look like in your role? And sometimes people don't know, right? And if a team doesn't know what success looks like and a leader doesn't know what success looks like, you'll never hit it. When you ask at the individual level and everyone goes around the room and shares what success looks like for the team from their perspective, we get a variety of views. It may be completely different from your view. It doesn't make it less valuable. How do we create a common view of success that everybody buys in with their entire heart and soul and then runs like heck for? A success of a great team after I've worked with them is that they run like a pack. There's no questioning. Everyone knows their role. Nobody's off the track. Everybody's on the track, running hard, supporting one another, giving each other love, thanking people for what they've done and hard work, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you build team chemistry. Given what we've talked about today, when you're looking to hire someone, I would think you should be looking for someone who has the strengths that you don't. Is that a correct assessment? That's correct. And it's so easy to hire people like you. You might like to think about the future. You might be so future-oriented and be very analytical, or maybe you're competitive and you're going to whip the world. If you hire a bunch of people like you, you will have a team that does not reach its full potential because who's going to connect with the employees and or customers? Who's going to be the financial person? Who's going to think about the past in order to build a new future? So look for um, people that know your field but are different from you. What would be your advice to someone who is about to leave their job so they can work on their side hustle full-time? I think it's harder today than it's ever been. And one of the reasons it's harder than it's ever been is the healthcare mess that we have, right? First of all, keep your day job until you've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt to yourself, to your family, to your clients, that what you have is valuable and you can make it on your own or that you're close enough to say, I'm willing to take the risk to make it on my own. But do that with the knowledge of, here's what it's going to cost me with healthcare. I mean, I'm, I'm an individual person, right? I don't have kids. I don't have, is there anybody, nobody's on my healthcare provider but me. And it's $600 a month plus an $8,000 deductible. So I'm spending with some things that become unexpected, like I was attacked by a dog on January 2nd. So my deductible now is all brand new, right? Um, it's not unusual for me to spend between 10 and 12K a year for healthcare. That's a lot of money. Don't go short. Don't think, well, we'll get by. When you start planning, and you should plan, and I'm not the best planner, but I'm also don't want to be stupid. That guides me more than being a good planner. Plan for worst case scenarios, right? How much money will I need? Worst case scenario. And operate from that position as you head in that direction. If your spouse is employed and has health care, that's going to help a lot. If you're 22 and can have on your parents' health care, that's going to help a lot. But someday, that may not be there. So you have to be prepared for that stuff. I think just really being a sharpshooter, not a generalist, I'm going to help everybody be a better performer. No. What do you know? What are you great at? Where is your real value proposition come in? I am best with teams. I like working with individuals. But with this Olympic team, we have a team problem. It's going to be an individual discussion and a team discussion, but I'm a team expert 
And that is a differentiator from people that like to sit down one-on-one and just say, how can we help you, you know, be a higher performer this year? That's part of it. But to me, the complexity of a team is exciting to me. And I really, really know my stuff with the Strength Finder, the assessment tool that I use. I know that thing, the results inside and out. I can help people look at combinations of strengths. I ask good questions. We get people from where they are to where they need to be through a variety of things I do well. But there are many things I don't do well, and I don't want to do those things. Right. So embracing what you're awesome at and get better at that, like this sports is a great analogy. We don't take a pitcher in baseball and have them go play left field to work on their arm. It's not the same. Home what you're really, 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 really good at and then and then go take on the world. Maureen, I really enjoyed your book and it's been great speaking with you today. Thank you for sharing your story with us. You're welcome. Thank you. As I was wrapping up my conversation with Maureen, I thought back to her comment about there being no one track when it comes to your career. Maureen had a successful career in the corporate world, but she chose to go back to school to earn a second master's degree. That decision opened up a new track, and it changed the course of her career. In Maureen's book, she's having an email conversation with the head coach of the hockey team she was working with, and he mentioned a quote. I've heard it before. It goes something like this. There are three kinds of people in the world. Those who make things happen, those who watch things happen, those who wonder what happened. Think about that for a second. There are those who make those who watch, those who wonder. Who are you? I think a more important question is, who do you want to become? That's our show for today. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate us, and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and we greatly appreciate your support. If you know someone who has a great side hustle to small business story to share, drop us a line at hiscox.com slash side hustle to small business. Side hustle to small business is produced by Hiscox Insurance. I'm Lucas Al. It's time to stop listening and start hustling. This podcast is provided as general information only and is not intended to be business, insurance, or legal advice for any particular person or entity.